Hey there. Before we get started, we want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in to the Kuhau Podcast. We hope it encourages you and draws you closer to Jesus as you listen. Let's get excited for this message and let's get ready to hear from God. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to begin reading from verse 3 to 8. It says, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. When you want to know what the gospel is, which the Bible identifies this word gospel, literally means the almost too good to be true news. And this is what the gospel is. The gospel is not about how much God's wrath is on you. The gospel is not about Oh, if you don't turn from your sins, you're going to go to hell. That's not the gospel. The gospel is this. I passed on to you of first importance that Jesus Christ died for you, was buried, and resurrected on the third day. I want to leapfrog over to Luke chapter 24. And just to set the stage here, uh, some women come to the tomb, disciples of Jesus. They come to the tomb, and they say, where is Jesus? And, and, and I love this, what the angels responded, or a young man that was there. He says, he is not here. He is risen. Woo! You remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, but on the third day be raised again. Today is the day that we come together as the body of Christ to celebrate our risen Savior. That death is defeated, the tomb is empty. And on Friday, he was crucified for our sins. He was buried all through Saturday. But on Sunday, he resurrected. A lot can happen in three days. A lot can happen from Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And my message to you, the title of my message today is not your ordinary weekend. Look at the person next to you, tell them not your ordinary weekend, but tell them like you mean it. And by the way, we're a hollaback church, so it's okay to say amen. It's okay to say, go ahead, preacher. It's go ahead, say, take your time. And if I'm preaching really good and you're bilingual, you could say, dale papi, dale papi. Come on, somebody. Welcome our live audience online. We want to welcome you. Thank you. We have so so many members of our team that are watching online. We're so glad that you could be with us today. And and again, I mean, we're running on on a a small staff. There's going to be smoke machines. We don't know how to shut it off. I'm going to be honest. We have half the lights working, half the lights not. But listen, God is in the building, all right? That's all that matters. Uh, Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that we get to come together. So grateful, Lord, that we get to celebrate our risen Savior. Lord, we give you the praise for that. That our life has meaning because you died for us. That you were born to die. That you came into human history, took on human flesh. To die the death that we deserve to die. You lived the life that we could not live so that now we can have relationship and abundant life through you. We thank you in Jesus' name, we pray, 
Amen and amen. Can we give God a praise one more time in this room? Um, um, not your ordinary weekend. How many of you guys know that our culture loves the weekend? Our culture loves, like we love the weekend. Like T-G-I-F, anybody know what I'm talking about? Like T-G-I-F. We love the weekend. You see the smoke over here? I'm going to... Hey, let's work with it. Let's work with it, all right? I'm going to have to figure this out. TGIF, we love the weekend. We absolutely love the weekend. They've done studies on this, and they say that uh, it's called the weekend effect. Literally, people are happier in the weekend. Like, you get John and Maylene without the kids on a weekend, oh, my God. <laughs> Woo! All the stress is gone. All the anxiety has left. Like, they are at the, op they are the most singlest couple you've ever met in your life. I'm telling you that right now. We love the weekend. And let's be honest, some of the greatest experiences that we ever have in life, they happen on the weekend. You know, like, you ever had that weekend? Like, you know it's not your ordinary weekend. Like, some of our kids are a byproduct out of not an ordinary weekend. Let me tell you, August 27, 2011, not your ordinary weekend. You know what took place August 27, 2011? Your pastors. Why is everybody cringing? Like you're waiting for something to slip. 20, not, 2011, August 27th, it was not your ordinary weekend because your pastors came together in holy matrimony. Holy matrimony. Bless the name of God. But it's not your ordinary weekend because on that weekend, let me tell you, I'm going to be honest. You know what took place? A hurricane took place. If you guys remember, Hurricane Irene took place. It came on that day to Staten Island, New York. And I remember my wife was already having second, she was already second guessing this whole thing. She was already having her doubts, but that's because I was full of faith and she had a little, you know, lack of faith, he had a little faith. And I remember her being like, baby, are you sure we're going to get married? Are you sure? You think that it's okay for us to get married in the middle of a, in the middle of a hurricane? Baby, I said, baby, listen to me. I don't care if it's a hurricane that takes place. We're going to get married. Ain't nothing going to stop me from marrying you. I don't care if it's a tornado that comes. Ain't nothing going to stop me from marrying you. Listen, the walls of Jericho could stand before me. I don't care. There is nothing that's going to stop me from marrying you. Listen, I don't care if Goliath was standing in front of me. There ain't nothing that's going to stop me from marrying you. The Red Sea could stand in front of me. I'll take out the staff and I'll split it in two. Because there ain't. Listen, Jesus could come back in the rapture. He can crack the... The sky open, he could peek his head. I'm going to be like, hold up, Jesus. Wait till after the honeymoon. Because there ain't nothing that's going to stop me from marrying you. It ain't no ordinary weekend. That's a happy wife right there. Come on, somebody. It ain't your ordinary weekend. I'm, I'm going to fix this real quick. Hold on. The smoke is going to go that way. But I don't even know. I messed it up. Hold on. Yeah, I didn't know pastor does lighting too. Come on, pastor does lighting too. Praise the name of God. It's not your ordinary weekend and uh, I'm going to 
going to plug in Matrix right here because some of our lives have never been the same after this weekend when we went on the Matrix retreat. Some of us came back and we were completely set free. We were transformed. We crucified our flesh. Some of us came back speaking in tongues because it was not your ordinary weekend. How, any, anybody that went to the Matrix retreat knows exactly what I'm talking about. I don't know if you see where I'm going with this, but 2,000 years ago, it was not your ordinary weekend. 2,000 years ago, we experienced the greatest occurrence in all of human history when Jesus Christ died, was buried, and resurrected. See, he was, he was dead, and the devil thought that he won, but it was not your ordinary weekend. See, regularly, people would be crucified and die. But you know what doesn't happen when someone dies? They don't resurrect. And what took place 2,000 years ago is that Jesus Christ conquered the grave, he conquered death, he crucified our sins on the cross, and he resurrected. And because he resurrected, our joy resurrected. Because he resurrected, our hope resurrected. Because he resurrected, love resurrected. Because he resurrected, life and life in abundance resurrected. Are there any resurrected people in the house? It wasn't your ordinary weekend. And what I want to do today is I want to unpack. I want to unpack what this weekend looked like think about it, it was a Friday, it was a Saturday, and it was a Sunday. Everybody shout Friday. Say Saturday. Sunday. Say Friday. Say Saturday. Say Sunday. And the first point I want to outline for us today is write this down. Friday equals redemption. Friday equals Redemption. See, there can't be resurrection without there first being death through crucifixion. You see, Jesus crucified, Jesus' crucifixion provided to us who receive it, redemption. Which means that our sins accrued a debt that we could not pay with the holy God. And we could not pay it, but on that day, Jesus Christ became the complete payment for our sins, and that is called redemption. We received redemption because Jesus Christ died upon the cross. The word redemption means the action of saving or being saved from sins, error, and evil. The action of regaining possession of something in exchange for payment or clearing a, day, uh, a debt. God repossessed his lost children in exchange for his own life. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood that was shed upon the cross. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Friday equals redemption. And if you look at the outline of what took place on the Friday, man, it was no ordinary Friday for Jesus. This was no ordinary Friday for Jesus. For what took place was that from the very wee hours of the morning, from 1 a.m., you would see Jesus in Gethsemane. And at, that, at Gethsemane, what takes place is that Jesus gets betrayed by Judas. They come to arrest him, and a scuffle breaks out, and Jesus is arrested. And 
around 3 a.m. he's taken over to Caiaphas's house and at Caiaphas's house they pronounce him and they condemn him to death. At around 5 a.m. he exits Caiaphas's house and what takes place at 5 a.m. is that he makes eye contact with someone now who has denied him. So he goes from being betrayed to one of his closest disciples and his disciples deny that he, they even know him. At around 6 a.m., Pilate, they, they send Jesus over to Pilate, and Pilate doesn't know what to do with this man. And so what takes place is that Pilate doesn't know what to do with Jesus, so what he does is that he sends him over to Herod. Herod doesn't know what to do with him, so he sends him over back to Pilate. Pilate then doesn't know what to do, and so he has an argument with the crowd. He's going back and forth with the crowd, and instead of releasing Jesus, he cowards to the crowd. And what he does is that now he releases Barnabas, and now, uh, or Barabbas, I'm sorry, he releases Barabbas. And Jesus then has to make his way around 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. to Golgotha, where Jesus Christ is crucified and experiences an excruciating death, literally torture, as he's crucified on two pieces of wood and three nails. And he's crucified between two thieves. This is no ordinary Friday for Jesus. And what takes place right there is that Jesus, on the cross, he says these three words. It is finished. Oh, I don't know if anybody heard me right there, but Jesus says, it is finished. I don't know if you heard me. I'm going to say it again. It is finished. And listen to me. When Jesus says it is finished, in the original language, what Jesus is saying is this. He's saying it is finished till its complete form. In other words, when he says that it is finished, it's not like the way I say something's finished. When I say that I, I finished the dishes, it means that I finished doing the dishes, and you might smell some egg after I finished doing the dishes. There might be a little bit of grease when I finish doing the dishes. When I finish doing the dishes, uh, uh, that's my, my, what me saying it's finished looks like. When my son says I'm finished doing homework, any parents in the house? When my son says, I'm finished doing homework, it means I have finished all the problems that I know, and the ones that I don't, I left incomplete, so it is finished on my behalf. But it is not finished. He is finished, but it is not finished. Can I tell you something about Jesus? That when Jesus said it is finished, listen, you don't have to doubt that the job has been completed. You don't have to second guess that the mission has been accomplished. You don't have to be skeptical that the purpose has been carried out. He says it is finished. It is finished. It is finished. Does anybody know that there is a Savior that doesn't leave something incomplete? But he said it is finished. And, and now, now watch this. He says it is finished, but the, in, in the original language, he uses this word to telestai. And, and in, in the English language, sometimes it doesn't have the power or the potency of what the original language means. Like, if there's anybody that speaks multiple languages here, you know what that when you're trying to communicate from one language to another and you're trying to translate, oftentimes the, trans, the translation doesn't carry the potency of the original language. I'll give you an example. If there's anybody here that speaks Spanish, we have this word in Spanish. Let me give you some of my heritage. We have this word in Spanish called cariño. 
Look at all the Spanish people trying to translate. You know that in Spanish we have this word cariño, but when you translate it in English, it does not carry the potency and the power of its original meaning. So when you say cariño and someone says affection, nah, that wasn't it. They didn't translate it. Why? Because in Spanish we also have the translation for affection. It's afección. But there is no word that translates equally to the word cariño. You need multiple words to communicate what one word communicates in Spanish. And so if you're trying to communicate cariño, you got to be like, you know, cariño is like this tender, loving affection. You got to even use sound bites, okay? And so in the same way, when you use the word tetelestai, it carries a potency that sometimes the English hearer doesn't fully carry hear the potency of the word tetelestai. We just see it is finished. Okay, but what is finished? What is that? It is finished. Let me explain this to you. It is finished was used by merchants. Watch this. It was used by merchants when they said, when they were making an exchange and, and something was paid in full. Can I tell you what tetelestai means when Jesus got up on the cross? He said, all your sins are paid in full. And there's some of us here thinking that, listen, I've sinned too much. I've sinned too long. There is no way that God loves me the way you say he does. There is no way that God forgives me for all the wrong I've done. I think I've gone past the extent of God's love. I want to remind you today that Jesus got up on that cross and he said, tetelestai. Die, which means it has been paid in full. There's no sin too big. There's no less you can run. Jesus Christ said, paid in full. You have priests that use the word tetelestai. A priest would look at the sacrifice and say it was perfect. And when the sacrifice, when the lamb that was being sacrificed was killed and it was without blemish, the priest would say, Tetelestai, it has been fully accepted. Can I tell you, Christ Uncensored, and those watching online right now, hearing me, if you're at the sound of my voice, that he's saying because Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross was accepted, you are included in that sacrifice, which means that you are fully accepted by God, that you are fully loved by God, that you are fully valued by God, and that God considers you precious today. It was also used by a painter. A painter would, would look at his work of art and right before he finished, he would say, Tetelestai. In, in other words, he would say, it is complete. There is nothing more to be added. In other words, your, your religious service doesn't add to your salvation. Your devotion doesn't make you more saved. Your sacrifice doesn't make you more saved. We do those things because we have been saved. We are transformed because we have been saved. But they don't add a lick to what Jesus Christ has done on the cross of Calvary. Servants would use it when they would say, we've accomplished the mission, the mission, master. We've accomplished the mission. Jesus accomplished the mission of the Father. He said, not my will, but your will be done. A prisoner. A prisoner, when they have completed the sentence, a prisoner would then, on their note, they would receive a documentation, and on the documentation it would say, Tetelestai, which is to say that his sentence has been completed. 
And so if his sentence was seven years and he has completed his seven-year sentence, what Jesus Christ said when he said, Tetelestai, from the cross, it was that there was a sentence that he fully completed, that he was sentenced to death and he didn't take any shortcuts, but he was beaten, he was battered, and he was bruised, and he died, and he was buried. He completed the sentence, and watch this. If anybody would try to put this person back into prison, he would have a documentation saying, no, 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 the sentence has been complete. I have good news for somebody today. I have good news for somebody today. Listen, to every time the enemy tries to say you're always going to be bound, you're always going to be in prison, you're always going to be in stuck, you can always put at the document of the cross and say, no, no, you don't understand. The sentence has been completed. Jesus Christ dying on the cross saying Tetelestai is the proof of your freedom. Are there any free people in the house today? Is there anybody in this place that can say, I am free? The Bible says that he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Shouts Tetelestai. The narrative continues. In Luke chapter 23, verse 55. I don't know whose bottle of water that is, but I was thirsty. I know it's not mine because I didn't open it and it was half full. Luke chapter 23, verse 55. It says, as his body was taken away, the woman from Galilee followed and saw the tomb where his body has was placed and just to give you the narrative here if, if you if you understand what took place Jesus is now crucified he dies they they take his body off of the cross and they want a proper burial for Jesus and so what they do is that they they look for a tomb and they place him in the tomb and at that time this is when the women were after Jesus, and it says, then they went home and prepared spices, ointments in the body. But watch this. But by this time, they were finished, and the Sabbath begun. So I want you to I want you to lean in here. Watch this. It says, so they rested as it was required of the law. Now watch this. In the middle of chaos, those that followed Jesus were obligated to rest. See, I think some of the celebration that we have is on the first day and we celebrate what took place on the first day that Jesus Christ died and we have redemption. And we celebrate that. And then we look at the third day and we celebrate the third day because on the third day we have resurrection. But I think sometimes one of the things that we overlook as a body of believers is the fact that Jesus gave us the free gift of rest. He gave us the free gift of resting in him. And I don't think it's any coincidence that Jesus Christ dies on the cross and then the very next day, his people are forced to rest. Me meaning that they couldn't do anything. They couldn't get ahead of the game. They, could, they were forced 
to rest. And I think that that's one of the greatest gifts that God gives you. He gives you peace with God, but he also gives you peace with humanity. And he gives you peace with yourself. And some of us are trying to do more, be more, act more, get more accomplished. But I want to tell you that God didn't create you to rush. He didn't create you to grind. He didn't create you to hustle. He didn't create you to overwork. He didn't create you to have five jobs. He created you to rest. See, I knew there weren't going to be any amens on this one. I knew that no amens on that one. Because this is what happens. What happens is, is that oftentimes we become followers of Jesus and we want to do the doing, but Jesus says, no, you have to rest in me. And I think this is a, a microcosm. It's a small picture of what it is that we enter as believers, that we, thank you, that we enter as believers into the rest of God. And if you think about it, when, G, when God created the heavens and the earth, he created the stars, the moon, the mountains, and the river. I know it's an as yet song, but listen, that's biblical. It's on, he created the earth, and watch this. On Friday, God created humanity. On a Friday, he created humanity, which means on the seventh day, God rested, which means that the first day of humanity was in a position of rest. It was in a position of rest. The first day of humanity wasn't to go after it. The first day of humanity wasn't to grind. The first day of humanity wasn't to hustle, 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 get it, get it, get it, go after it, go after it, go after it. Listen, if you're grinding and you're hustling and you're going after it and you're rushing to everything and you're trying to accomplish more, you might be doing it wrong. Because when you are in Christ, you rest in Him. When you are in Christ, you're at peace in Him. And when you are resting, God is going to work for you. When you are resting, God is accomplishing for you. When you are resting in Him, God can get more done. This is why, this is why Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. He says, come to me. Come to me, all who are worried. Come to me. He says, come to me. I am it. I am the rest. Come to me. Not come to me in your grind. Not come to me in your hustle. Not come to me in your good works. Not come to me in your good performance. Not come to me in your good looks. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. Is there anybody in this place that if you're a heavy burden, if you have a restlessness in your soul, God is saying, stop going after things that you think will bring you peace. Stop going after things that you think will bring you happiness. Just come to me and I will give you rest for your restlessness in your soul. Saturday equals rest. But then on Sunday, whoo, I said Sunday, Luke chapter 24, verse 6 and 7. The angel says, he is not here. He is risen. He is not here. He is risen. I want you to visualize the empty tomb. He is not here. He is risen. 
I could imagine the disciples saying, well, what does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? Does it just mean that Jesus is alive? Does it mean that he resurrected? It means that and so much more. That when I look at the empty tomb, the empty tomb is a picture of my freedom. The empty tomb is a picture of my salvation. The empty tomb is a picture of my faith. The empty tomb is a picture of the happiness and the joy that I can have in Christ. The empty tomb, he is no longer here. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners and be crucified. And on the third day be raised again. You see, on Sunday, Sunday equals resurrection. And as the worship team comes up, this is what I want us to understand today. That the resurrection, listen to me clearly, that the resurrection is not simply an event that took place 2,000 years ago. I think sometimes we can get caught up in a traditional celebration. It's one of the reasons that Easter all over, all across the globe is one of the most highly attended events. Because we want to celebrate traditionally something that took place 2,000 years ago. But resurrection is something that we experience today. It's not simply something that we celebrate from yesterday. It's something that is actively present and alive today. Romans chapter 5 verse 10 says, So while we were still sinners, listen to this, God fully recon reconciled us, redemption, to himself through the death of his son, then something greater than friendship is ours. Now watch this. Now that we are at peace, rest, that's Saturday, with God, now here it goes, and because we share in his resurrection life, how much more will we be rescued from sin's dominion? Did you get that? He says, we share in the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. Like this is the good news of Easter. That on Sunday, the devil thought he had the last laugh. He thought it was over. But then the ground began to shake. The stone was rolled away. And resurrection resurrected. But not only resurrected, Jesus re resurrected. Watch this. Everyone who would believe in him now shares in the resurrection of Jesus. Woo! This is why it says all because of Jesus Christ. And even more than that, we overflow with triumphant joy in our new relationship of living reconciled. It's not just a traditional thing we celebrate from 2,000 years ago. It's something that we can continuously live today. We can continuously live reconciled. Watch this. All because of Jesus Christ. All because of Jesus Christ. All because of Jesus Christ. 
Oh, that's right. Two weeks before Jesus Christ resurrected, his best friend resurrected. Do you guys know Lazarus? I wonder if Lazarus was just a picture that it's not just Jesus Christ who can resurrect, but all those who are disciples of Jesus can resurrect as well. See, we share in the resurrection of Jesus. And when Lazarus was dead, the Bible says that he was dead for four days. And Jesus, after four days, comes to the tomb of Lazarus. And the Bible says that Mary and Martha, they come to Jesus and they approach him. And each of them say their piece, but they say, where were you? And I want to pick up here where it says in verse 21, it says, Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, whatever you ask God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, wait, what? Listen to me. He goes, your brother's going to rise. Her response is, yeah, I know he's going to rise someday. I know in the resurrection, when everybody's rise, when everybody's raised, he goes, oh, you're still looking at an event. You're still looking at your someday. There's some of us in this place that you're looking for happiness and you're like, someday I'll be happy. Someday I'll be satisfied. Someday I'll be fulfilled. Someday I'll be content. Someday I'll be drama free. Someday, and God is saying, I am the resurrection. Watch this. The resurrection was standing before Martha, and Martha was looking past the resurrection. Everything she ever wanted was standing right in front of her, and she was looking past the resurrection. What did she want? She wanted a resurrection. And Jesus says, listen to me. I am the resurrection. The resurrection is not tied down to an event, to an experience, or to a day. The resurrection is about Jesus. And Jesus is not a character in movies. Jesus is not simply Jesus from down the block. Jesus is not a prophet. Jesus is not simply an enlightened being. Jesus is the savior of the universe. It starts with Jesus. It ends with Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's always about Jesus. It's Jesus and only Jesus. The resurrection. So here it is, here it is, here it is. Here it is. She was looking for a resurrection. while the resurrection was standing before her. Can I ask you today, what is it that you are looking for? What is it that you are looking for? She was looking for the resurrection. 
We already know that we all partake in that resurrection. What is it that you're looking for? Because Jesus says, are you looking for a resurrection? Are you looking for a resurrection? I am the resurrection. He's looking at some of you today and he's saying, are you looking for happiness? On this, on this Easter Sunday, I am happiness. Are you looking on fulfillment with another zero tied to your bank account? That will not make you happy. That would still leave you chasing and empty. I am the satisfaction that you're looking for. Are you looking for peace? I am the peace that you've been looking for. Are you looking for fulfillment? I am the fulfillment that you're looking for. You're not going to find it in a bank account. You're not going to find it in the love of another. You're only going to be able to find it in Jesus. Listen to me clearly. Listen to me clearly. I love my wife. I adore my wife. I love my wife with every ounce in my being. But Lisa, the reason that our marriage works is because Lisa does not fulfill me. And I do not fulfill Lisa. But we are two fulfilled people in Christ. Listen, there's too many of us that are looking for fulfillment from another. And God is saying, no, let me be the fulfillment of your life. And then, listen, the reason that this works, trust me, I wish I was Lisa's fulfillment. I wish that she couldn't live without me. No, the reason that this relationship works is because I'm fulfilled in Christ. And she's fulfilled in Christ. And when you have two fulfilled people in Christ that come together, you become one in Christ Jesus. So, are you looking for happiness? Jesus is your happiness. Are you looking for joy? Jesus is your joy. On this Easter Sunday, he wants to remind you that it wasn't any ordinary weekend. And likewise, this weekend today can go down in history as no ordinary weekend because Jesus became the resurrection of your life. Because Jesus became the peace of your life. Because Jesus became the lover of your soul. So if you're watching online and anybody, everybody here in this room, for what you've heard today, the Holy Spirit, we, we say the Holy Spirit is touching your heart. With every eye closed, every head bowed, we just want to take a few just moments of reflection and meditation. And I'm going to ask you this. If there's a void in your heart, if there's a need in your soul, if there's a cry of your life, whatever it is, what you're really crying is, I need Jesus. You might say, I need peace, but what you're really saying is, I need Jesus. You might be saying, I need fulfillment, but what you're really saying is that I need Jesus. And so if you're watching online today, and everybody in this room, at the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise up your hand. On this Easter Sunday, if you're saying, 
I want Jesus. That's it. That's all I'm asking of you. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. If that's you, at the count of three, I just want you to lift your hand up and I want to pray for you. No build. One, two, three. Every hand up. Every hand up that says, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Put your hand right back down, right back down. And I want, to say, I want us to say this together. If you're watching in online, I don't see your hand, but I know that God sees your hand right there where you are. And if that's you, I want you to say this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your love. I receive your forgiveness. And today, I am a new creature. I found my satisfaction and fulfillment in you. I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died for me and resurrected on the third day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. I'm going to ask you to get upon your feet as we sing this song of worship. Come on, everybody in this room, get upon your feet. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we worship you, Lord. Lord, we give you all the glory and all the praise and all the adoration. Lord, we lift you on high, Lord God. Lord, we know that the same spirit that raised you from the grave lives on the inside of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Once again, we want to thank you for tuning in. Subscribe now and stay connected to all of our latest messages. And if this message really blessed you, pass along the blessing by sharing it with a friend. We pray that you will be given the opportunity to apply this message, and we hope that you enjoy the rest of your day. God bless.